Welcome to Not Just Your Average Millennial Podcast. I'm Dimity, your not-so-average host. Together with some incredible guests, I share with you the life-changing lessons I've learned from remarkable places, people, and books. My deepest wish is that by you listening in every single week, that you too decide that you're not so average, that you just start doing more cool stuff, make outrageous plans, or even launch that business idea you've been waiting on for so long. Whatever it is that your heart is desiring right now or called to do, I know for sure that you're just not average. So let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of You're Not Just Your Average Millennial. And today we are speaking to the one and only Krista Tier, a mumpreneur, a multiple seven-figure earner, and someone who just genuinely wants to help others play such a bigger game in this world. So Krista, thank you so much for coming on this podcast today. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, I just, uh, when, when we first met, like a few background story for you guys is that I actually hired Krista as my coach to help my uh, game level up. And it's just been a big journey of love and her encouragement is just next level in this world. So I know that you're going to get so much value out of this and some actual implementation tools. So I know that there is so many podcasts out there that are just self-promoting, self-promoting. This is not your podcast. This is not your average podcast. This is uh, going to be a podcast where, and an episode where you're going to take so much away from it. And so get your uh, notebooks ready because yeah, Chris is about to drop some bombs and I'm so excited just for what is about to come. But uh, the first question I have for you just really to deep dive in is who is Krista T and what does she stand for in this world? Mm. Oh, goosebumps. Okay. So uh, I feel like to sum it up in short form. I am the permission slip and the example for other women and other people to be the very best version of themselves that they can possibly be. A permission slip and an example for single mums to go out there and achieve the life, no matter what society or their culture or their family condemn them as. I want to be that permission slip and this beautiful example of acting in accordance with anything is possible. Yes. Anything yeah. is possible. And I know, what is your, what is your mission statement? Because I, I know I see it all the time. So what is it? What it, tell the world, what is your miss, mission statement and what do you live by in your heart every single day? Yeah. Um, so I, my mission statement is like so broad, but I know at the essence of it that I am a vessel to deliver whatever message I'm supposed to deliver in this lifetime, that, um, my mission on this earth is to end human suffering because I don't think that we deserve to suffer. Yes, we're going to experience, you know, negative emotions and there's going to be hard times in our life. But if we build internal resilience, we can we can withstand anything. We can become unshakable and we can learn the lessons that are super necessary um, so that we can, we can grow and evolve and become bigger and better and faster and stronger every single day. Um, and at the essence of it, I feel like being the example um, for other women to do what I have done coming out the back end of abusive relationships and, you know, not having any money um, and, and being, you know, in a place of, anxiousness and depression um, and trauma to come out the back end of that and use that as fire to ignite something that is indescribable within, to use that as leverage, to use that as 
the motivation that you need. Wow. I I love I love it. And if you're on this call and you're just like, I want to be friends with it. Yeah. Well, that was exactly my thoughts too. So (laughs) you're on the same page with me on that. Um, But you are just such a firecracker and I love that you have um, used, you've, you've come from an incredible story of like some, some tough life decisions. And I love how you haven't made it made it into a negative story. What's been that process or that Cadillac to uh, for anyone, any of the listeners out there that have maybe come from a, a hard time or they currently going through a hard time, how do they bridge that gap into what you are today and what you stand for today? So I think the most incremental moment and just to give like everyone that's listening a rundown of what I experienced in very short form, but I was in a relationship since the age of 17 and I was married by the age of 21. Um, I had my beautiful baby girl who is now eight um, when I was 22 and I was, I was young and naive and my ex-husband, I I truly give credit where credit's due. And there were parts of our journey that were absolutely amazing. Um, But he was involved in a whole criminal world that I, at that age, chose to turn a blind eye to yeah. and didn't want to fully acknowledge because I knew that by having an opinion and by speaking up for what my true values were, it would result in abuse. So I was involved in this whole, you know, process of really losing myself and never having a voice to speak up or stand up for my highest values. And long story short, he ended up going to jail for two years. We we fought it in court for four years um, and spent a, a huge amount of money to to fight that and went to jail for two years and I've been a business owner since the age of 18. So at that time we had three businesses um, and my beautiful baby girl and I had to run those three businesses on my own and go and visit him in jail and raise my daughter on my own. Um, And I think that there were stages especially towards the end because I realized when he was in prison that he hadn't changed. And I truly believe everyone deserves a a second chance because we all screw up. Yeah. And I wanted to give him that second chance. But at the same time, when I saw that he hadn't learned anything, it wasn't my responsibility to ask him to change or to force him to change or give him leverage. He had to want to do that on his own, but I couldn't be amongst the repercussions of what that was going to bring into mine and my daughter's life. Oh, powerful. Yeah. So um, when he came out, it did turn physically abusive, the relationship. And um, I I chose, it was probably the hardest decision. I knew that I wanted to make it for a long period of time. I wanted to leave that relationship. But as majority of listeners can probably relate to, there's like this, there's this comfort and familiarity, even when, um, you know, though that familiar sort of circumstance is not great and it's probably pretty average, but you still know what to expect in that place. And there's like this component of safety that you experience. Um, so I wanted to make that choice for a long time. And when it came to the stage where it was physically abusive, I knew that that was my out. Like that was something that I just would not tolerate. Um, and that's where I cut my ties. But there was moments where I was in just complete autopilot. I think that when you experience trauma or hardship, sometimes you can't actually project how you would react until you're 
in that. And if someone said to me, going back, you know, 15 years, this is what you're going to have to deal with at this young age, I would have gone, I, I don't know if I'd be able to survive it. But when you're in it, and so many people would say to me, how are you coping? And I'm like, well, I don't have another option. Like, I just have to. I've got a child that is I'm her life source. So I, I have to, I don't have an option. I have to keep a roof over our head. I've got to run three businesses. I've got to be the best mum that I can be. And I've just got to keep going. Um, and there were times where I was literally broken and in fetal position on the floor and experiencing severe panic attacks um, and, and anxiety and bouts of depression. And I knew in that moment, and my mum actually said it to me, God will only give his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. The reason that you have been given this is because you're strong enough to withstand it. And out the other end of it, you are going to be something magnificent. And I knew, and I get teary even speaking about it because I now reflect back on that time in my life and I can see why. Because the strength and the resilience and the power that I know that I have is because of the accumulation of my life experience. Oh, guys, <laughs> just breathe that one out. Like, whoa. And if you are going through anything similar right now or you have in the past, like just breathe that in deeply. So yeah. And knowing that it's your greatest gift, right? Like huge. Learn and if you can grow and if you can expand through those hard experiences that you've experienced in the past or you're experiencing now, know that on the other side of that, if you withstand it, there is something so much bigger than you. Yes. You can tell why Christy is not just your average millennial and she's got a damn fire in her belly. I can, I know you guys will be feeling it through your earbuds right now as you listen to this, but I want to really circle back to that, that message of you had no other choice because I feel as millennials, we live in a world today where we have so much choice. We are we are so lucky to live in a generation where we can earn income off our laptops, phones, uh, sitting in Bali if we want, sitting in our, our mum's bedroom and no one will know that we're living there and pretend that we live this incredible life. So it is one of these worldly paradoxes where we have so much choice but also have so little choice. So what what do you think it is that in, in terms of that same contact uh, context, Krista, that what do you think made you go, I had your back was up against a wall and you had only one choice to move forward. What would you suggest for someone who is in a similar situation or who thinks that they have multiple choices, but to be honest, they, they, their back is against that wall and they only have that one choice moving forward. Yeah. I, I think that in any situation you have to find your leverage and you have to have a reason why that is so much bigger than yourself. Um, I know for me, I have entrepreneurialism running through my veins. Like I come from a very entrepreneurial family. My father has owned and operated nine figure businesses and I didn't have an upbringing of everything being handed to me on a silver platter. That's one thing that mum and dad did was they really embedded work ethic. Yeah. And I realized, and this is what I can see in millennials is that because we do have so many choices and it is so easy, we really take it for granted and we forget that everything takes work and a lot of it. Preach. <laughs> yeah. 
Like we've got to play a long-term game. And I feel like so many people are just looking for a quick fix and they're looking for the simple option and they're looking for the monetary gain in the short term. But everything that we do, if we're wanting to really create a multi-million dollar empire, we have to focus on the long-term gain. And what I suggest is one, get your leverage. Two, figure out your reason why you're doing it. I know for me, it's to create a better world for my daughter to grow up in. And in order for me to do that, I've got to get about my business now because I know that, yeah, I've got a long life ahead, but at the same time, things, if I'm going to play a long-term game, I've got to start doing things now. Yes. And I've got to be extremely self-accountable. I've got to be extremely disciplined in what I do. I've got to prioritize my time and my energy so effectively but I think that for millennials that are out there, if you think that just sitting behind a laptop and that that's all that it's going to take, it's going to take more than that. And when you find your leverage, if you don't do it now, what's your life going to look like in five years from now? If you don't do it now, what's your life going to look like in 10 years from now? This present moment is where everything can change. Yes. So I think that's probably, yeah, the biggest piece for me. I love that you, you always speak around it's a long-term game because yeah. I, I know as millennials, especially for me, when I first started out my business three years ago, I thought I'd be a multiple, multiple millionaire by now, multiple figure millionaire. And I would be living my life drinking coconuts on the beach. And that's just became from not a lack of business skills, a lack of anything. It was just, that's just the, the message I was portrayed in terms of what an entrepreneur looks like. That's and right. it's not the truth. It's, this is why this podcast is so important because we're here to tell you the absolute truth in what it actually really takes. So how many hours just on the back of that, Krista, how many hours do you invest into uh, starting your business? Cause I want people to know the truth about what it really takes to be a business owner, because yeah. you can be an employee and be so stoked with your lifestyle. And that is totally okay. Maybe you're someone on here that wants to start up a business and we're going to be the first people in your life to tell you the, the real truth of what it will really take. But the rewards is like indefinite what you'll get out of it. So that's the important key. So how many hours would you invest in your business when you first get started? How many, what, what does it really take to build an empire? Totally. So I think my, my circumstances, because I am a single mum. Um, and I realized at a time in my life where I was just working, 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 working. My daughter was my reason why I was doing it all. And yet I was taking time away from her to do it. So what was the point of it? So my, and I think that comes back to understanding the reason why you're doing it and really leading with your highest values and being the best mother that I can be is definitely one of my highest values. So I think my circumstances are a little bit different in, in the way that I, I am juggling, right? Like I've got to do, I do school drop off. Yeah. I get to do, I get to do school drop off every day and I have to pack school lunches and then I pick her up at three o'clock and then I'm doing homework with her and spending some time with her and preparing dinner. So the way that I operate is I get up early in the morning. So usually anywhere between, and depends on, I, I truly believe that there's no stage of our life that we have complete balance. I don't believe in balance. I believe in ebbs and flows. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there's sometimes I have to get up at four if I've got a lot of stuff to do. There's sometimes that I can get up at five thirty, six o'clock. 
Um, so I make sure that I get up early because the first four hours of your day is when your brain works the most effectively. And I realize by hitting the ground running, I'm going to condense a whole lot of work into a short space of time because I'm, I'm operating from a place of clarity and my brain is working op- optimally. Keep going so, and deep diving into that because I want to know more around the optimization of um, most effective day. Yeah, yeah. So um, first four hours of the day is when we're working most effectively. And it's because we haven't had to make as many decisions. So after that point, we've had to make so many decisions and decisions that are so subconscious, like what to wear today, how long to spend in the shower, how we clean our teeth, what we're going to have for breakfast, you know, like simple decisions, but it's obviously impacting our capacity. And I like to lead my day with making as little decisions as possible. So I will usually wear a similar outfit every day so that I, that's one less decision that I don't have to make. I don't eat until around 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning. So I don't have to think about that. That's a choice on hers, by the way. So don't think that that's what you have to do, but that's just part of her lifestyle choice. But yeah, I love that. I love that. You don't have to think about it until later on. Totally. And I just find that works most effectively for me, right? Like I know for me, there's decisions around, you know, getting a, like my Ayana, my daughter, getting her uniform ready and then what to pack her for lunch and then what time we have to get to school. So if I can really condense my decision-making process in the morning to something that is very minimal, it's going to impact my life um, in great ways because my time is my greatest currency and my energy is another another form of greatest, my greatest currency. So if I can really optimize my time and energy, I know that I can create more productivity throughout my day. Um, so I'll usually get up very early in the morning. I will do, I don't do like a big long morning routine. I'll usually do like a, some form of meditation an incantation uh, of some kind, maybe a bit of breath work that kind of lasts between 15 and 20 minutes. And then I get into my day and I'll set intentions of things that are going to move the needle throughout my day. So I'm sure that a lot of people can come up with a to-do list that is, you know, 50 things long, but do those things move the needle? For me, I go, okay, what are the things that are going to move the needle and move me forward in my day? I'm going to tackle those first. So if I can set myself up for at least two hours in the morning before my daughter wakes up, then she wakes up, I've got time with her, and then I literally drop her off to school and I'm working until I pick her up. And then sometimes I will work at night once she's in bed. But I truly believe, and it depends on the scale that you want to play at, right? Like if you play at a low six figure scale, you're not going to have to put in as much work. If you want to expand to building an empire, a seven, eight, nine figure business, you've got to put in the work. And it's really up to you to prioritize it over everything. I know that, you know, on that journey, sometimes we, we fall off track and we get distracted with things or we get invited to go out with friends. What is most important in your life right now is the question that I ask. What's most important? And I know for me, it's my family and it's creating change in the world. And that comes before anything. Oh, you guys, that is conviction right there from coming from the heart. I love that you speak around that whole decision fatigue and removing that because um, if we think of things, people like uh, Steve Jobs, he only had one outfit like a a black sweater. I think it was black sweater and that's all he wore because he took out the decision decision. So if you were to implement anything out of this call, maybe, uh, or this um, podcast, like totally just remove some of those decision fatigue uh, barriers that are you blocking you from living an incredible abundant life. Yeah. 
I love that. And I want to really just circle back because you, you picked up a, a brilliant point um, when you spoke around you get to do. And I want to just touch on the language you consistently use in your everyday because I know you are a high-performing coach. I know that you work with incredible people at, at a huge level and you always speak around how language is what feeds our, our mindset. So, yeah, do you want to just touch on how switching up your language and um, really being conscious of the word you use has changed everything in terms of your business, lifestyle, the way that you show up in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'll pre-frame that. We've got two options in our life and that is to live in cause or live in effect. Now, cause is being at the stage of responsibility in our life, taking full responsibility for where we are at, the choices that we have made and how our life is right now. And when we are in a place of cause, we have the power to change anything as opposed to being in effect. Effect is being always um, dictated by what's going on around us. It's everyone else's fault that we are where we are. The reason I have no money is because he did that to me. She did that to me. The reason that I have a bad relationship is because he's not a nice person. She's not a nice person. And when we're standing in a place of, of effect, we have no power to change it. And this is probably the biggest thing that I learned when I was even coming out of my marriage. I found myself giving away all of my power in the way that I was blaming my ex-husband for everything. But at the essence of it, I chose to stay. I chose to deal with the relationship and the poor treatment. And I chose to not have a voice and not speak up. And I chose to be naive. And when I understood that I made all of the choices, and sometimes that's a really hard pill to swallow. Absolutely. Because it takes a high level of ownership. Yeah. When I realized that I was at the cause of all of it, I then had the power to change it. So I think that understanding that is really um, providing the firm foundations of what we speak. Um, and I know so many people like, you know, that are living in effect or are living in more of a victim mentality. I hear on a regular basis, I have to do this. I have to do that. I've got to do this. Oh, I don't feel like doing that. And I know for me, I can find myself sometimes going, oh, I have to get to that or I have to pack my, my um, daughter's lunch or I have to pick her up from school or I have to be in a rush. And I always take a moment and I say to myself, no, I get to. I get to do it because I'm experiencing another day as human. I get to wake up today. I get to be with my daughter. I get to run a business and be a single mom and multitask and pack her nutritious food. So in that simple like switch of just language, it really impacts the way that we think. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's, it's so simple from switching it from have to to get to. And if you can, uh, listeners out there can switch just that simple word, holy, well, you just wait till what shows up in your world. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It, I feel like it circulates back to that whole gratitude element that I know you live your life by. It's just, yeah. I, it, I know I wake up every single day and I say, wow, I am just so internally grateful that I'm breathing today. Totally. And I think that it, it really puts things in perspective, you know, like a reminder for everyone that's listening that some people didn't wake up today. Yeah. Some people can't see, can't, some people can't hear, some people can't walk, some people are bedridden but you're not. 
And when we just focus on that not so simple fact, we have a whole abundant amount of gratitude for the life that we get to live because the way that our brain is designed is to focus on it's, it's designed to survive. Yeah. So I, I think that when we train our brain to always see the hazards or always see the lack or always see the things that we're not so happy with, we're always going to find more of it. But when we can train our brain, it's all in our focus. When we can train our brain to focus on the things that we are, are grateful for number one we're increasing our vibration so we're going to attract like back like attracts itself so if we're focusing on the things that we're grateful for we're always going to find more of it i love it and that leads right into what i was going to ask you next what is like three things that you think the millennial generation need to really understand in order for them to stand in their truth a lot more mm. understanding who you are to the core and knowing that there is not another human being on this planet that is you and hiding parts of yourself is not going to serve you because those parts that you are hiding make you unique because I feel like truly knowing thyself is a catalyst for complete self-acceptance but also complete ownership of the power that resides within you. Yeah. And what I see so frequently is people trying to be something that they're not or trying to fake it till they make it and trying to model what other people are doing or putting themselves in a place of comparison to other people in their age bracket. And this is just wasting your energy. When you do the internal work and know that there is something really special about you and yeah, okay, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be criticism. You're going to cop arrows. That's just part of life. And that's only a reflection of those people's perceptions. But when you take ownership of yourself and you love that person in the darkness and in the light, you then can cultivate something powerful that is yours. Preach. I'm like, mic drop. <laughs> Uh, and so how does someone start internally becoming so addicted to self-love? Because I know it's, we speak around these self-love Sundays. We speak around like have gratitude. If you're someone that is listening, cause I know I was in this position where I was like, okay, I get the, I get the concept. I get, get the idea behind it, but like how I'm always looking for the implementation of what it is that I want to create. Yeah. Yeah. I think that starting, I think starting with, and I, I think that self-love is like so cliche, right? Um, and sometimes self-love can be like, have a nice bar or, you know, yeah. have a glass of wine while you're relaxed. You know, like that's, yeah, okay. That's a self-love practice. But actually having self-love to the core is sometimes a really uncomfortable process. Yeah. And we have to own all parts of ourselves in order to get to a complete, place of self-acceptance so many people are like and i actually had this realization you know i could love myself in my achievements i could love myself in on the days that i felt like i i looked great i could love myself in things that i was proud of but could i love myself in my screw-ups could i love myself in my mistakes could i love myself in the on the days that i felt like rubbish could i love myself amongst it all could i love myself in the darkness and in the light and bring it all to light and know that it just makes me me do you have one question that you can 
uh, that you ask yourself when you, you are in those states that bring you back to self-love? Yeah. Or not, there might be, there probably is a few, but yeah, did you have some like questions? Because I know that we get so caught up in a world where we we keep going, 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 and we get internally so stuck in our heads that we forget to come back to our heart again. So is there some kind of implementation where you can bridge that gap for us? Yeah, so I think that there was a really powerful process that I utilized um, when I first started on my self-development journey because I realized when I was at a stage of, you know, not having any boundaries and settling for poor treatment. And I had an eating disorder and there was, there, it was quite evident that there was absolutely no self-love. Like I was, I was literally sabotaging myself and there was a practice that I used to utilize. Um, and I still do even now, but I make sure that I take a moment because I find that sometimes while we're in our head and we're in that fight or flight, we can never be truly present and come back to heart. So number one, I'll always just take a big deep breath in and put my hands on my heart. And I, I look at myself in the mirror and I talk to myself like I was talking to my daughter. Because I feel like we, we give away love and compassion so freely to those around us and yet we don't give it to ourselves. And if I was ever feeling in a state of, and I used to do this every single day and it literally embedded into my mind, but I would say five things that I love about myself. And then I would say, I would say five things that I forgive myself for, because I find that it's one thing, you know, looking at ourselves in the mirror and eye gazing at ourselves in the mirror and saying, I love this and I love that. And I love this and I love that. But love doesn't flow through effortlessly unless we forgive first. It's like, you know, if our partner goes out there and cheats on us, it kind of blocks the love until we forgive. Mm. Right. And that's the same with ourselves. Like we're so, we're so tied up in holding on to everything that we've screwed up on in our life, but we don't understand that we're human and we're here to make mistakes because it's the mistakes that we learn and that's how we grow. So we have to make mistakes and screw up. So I'd name five things that I forgive myself for. And then every day I would name one thing that I commit to for the day. And I found that really doing that every single morning, it it allowed me to have a new level of compassion and understanding for who I was. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that. I love that you've just gone from this, this whole big journey of like, self-hatred, self-darkness, like a really scary time to someone who I see as pinnacle that is going to thrive in the next 10 years, who is going to create massive waves in our society and change so many people. So it's just been this big journey. You're, you're an absolute caterpillar turning into the beautiful butterfly. (laughs) Uh, Not that you weren't a beautiful butterfly before. (laughs) That's kind of the journey. I I (laughs) I'd love to offend people on this podcast, obviously. (laughs) But I just, I love that you, you are on a journey of creating an empire and you, you, you always bring it back to individual self. You never push a story on an external uh, factor. It's always, how can I choose to show up better every single day? And I think that is, that is your secret source to earning a, a multiple seven figure income, earning a multiple six figure income is like, it, it is you. If you're not functioning as a human, as an optimal, an optimum success within yourself and in your mindset, then you're never going to run a a big empire. Would you agree with that? Totally. And I think that's why I do what I do. You know, I am a high performance specialist and a business strategist, but 
See, the strategy that I give is, is amazing. But if you're not at the capacity internally to hold that strategy, you're never going to create sustainability. Mm -hmm. So it 100% comes back to creating you to be the vessel and the container to hold that life that you want. You have to be optimal and performing at a high level and having high levels of self-accountability and discipline as opposed to just having a hit of motivation and taking a short amount of action. It's got to be a long-term game. That's what it comes back to. You know, like I know I am in this for the rest of my life. There is nothing else. That's so how, does, how does someone sustain that? Because I know we talk about the long-term, but I want actual tools that people can implement into their life to sustain that for over a 10 year period because people do burn out because they think that they, their freight train needs to go at a hundred miles an hour for 30 days. I get you have success, loves speed, but you cannot run and sprint for 10 years. So how do you, how do you really tell, how do you, how do you implement a strategy that allows someone to have success over a 10 year period without burnout? Here's the secret. I love what I do. Yeah. And when you find your passion, you never work a day in your life. If I was working the amount that I'm working and building an empire in an industry that I hated, you can't sustain it no matter what you do, no matter tools, no matter what tools you implement. If you don't enjoy it, you'll never sustain it. But I don't work. That's my attitude. I don't work. If I have to do create something on my computer that's going to change someone's life, that's not work. It's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And the analogy that I like to use, it's like when you're, when you're, and I've done it, I've owned and operated four businesses in my lifetime. And the first four, it was work. Yes, I can build any business. But when it's in a, an area for myself that I'm not passionate about, burnout is very evident. And I burnt out. So I think the analogy that I like to use is like when you're in a business or you're creating something that you're not passionate about, it's like pushing a wheelbarrow up a hill. It's effort and it's taking a lot of energy and you're just wanting to ha it to happen faster. But when you are in an industry that you are truly passionate about and it lights you up and it becomes part of who you be, it's like pushing a wheelbarrow down a hill. Yeah, there's work and there's a lot of work, but if you're loving the process, it's easy. There's no burnout. Yeah. That's a, that's a great tip because to be, to be honest, I think so many people think they are loving their business or the industry that they're in, but when they really sit down and reflect and have that quiet moment, maybe your truth is that you are faking it in, in some way. Yep. So check in with yourself, really deep dive and see, am I really enjoying the process of what I'm in? And can I sustain this for the next 10 years, 15 years, 50 years? I got asked that question. Could I, in 20 years time, what would be my marketing strategy for X, for one of my businesses? And I had never asked myself that question because I always thought in five year blocks. And so when I sat down and said, what is my marketing strategy in 20 years time from now? I've really had that mental block and it really expanded me to think long-term. So you have to. And I think for any millennial that isn't in the online space, this online space is going to be flooded 
in the next five to 10 years, it is going to be flooded. And even in the way of Facebook ad spend, if you don't have Facebook ads out there now, you're running out of time. It's going to be flooded. The cost of leads is going to be astronomically, um, you know, through the roof. It's now that you have to do it. And, you know, even thinking 20 years ahead of time with marketing strategies, things are changing so rapidly and so frequently that it's hard to predict. Yeah. But it's a matter of just being everywhere all of the time, you know, being on all social media platforms, constantly collecting data and feedback, not watching content, but watching conversation. Oh, that's a good point. Dive deeper on that one. What do you mean by that? So what I find a lot of people do in the social media world is they're constantly watching content and then they're mimicking people's content, but they're forgetting the simple fact that the the consumer dictates everything that happens. Yeah. Consumer dictates the marketing strategies that are going to be amazing in 20 years time. The consumer dictates what content is going to be seen. The consumer dictate dictates what the, like what people want more of. So you've got to watch the conversation. So for instance, if someone put up, you know, something on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook that was trending, I wouldn't look at the video or the YouTube clip. I would watch what people are saying in the comments. There's your secret hack, guys. If you want to know what, <laughs> what there's your mic drop there because that's probably where people's focus. We come back to this focus point is people's focus is on like, hey, what is this person doing? Comparison, comparison, comparison. But they're not looking at how to manip- not manipulate, implement their own conversation starter. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so, how many pieces of uh, social media content, if they, someone was in the next say 12 months to just go all in on their business, all in on themselves, all in on their personal brand. How many pieces of content How on how many different platforms does someone need to implement? Yeah. So I would be on, and obviously it's understanding the psychology behind each platform as well. Um, and they're also varying. So that's the way that you, you know, write your copy or, you know, converse with the people that are on those particular platforms. But I would be on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram, a business page on Facebook, on TikTok, because TikTok is at the early stages of where sort of Instagram and Facebook were at. And I understand right now TikTok is an extremely young demographic, but so were Facebook and Instagram. So we're kind of at really early stages um, in that. And then obviously like Twitter, uh, as many, and here's the thing, right? It's a matter of trialing and testing it. Everything that you are doing is to gather feedback. What works, what doesn't. But things aren't just going to work with one post. So if I was, and even now, I usually post at least least three to ten times on each platform, especially sort of Instagram um, and Facebook, between three to ten times per day. That sounds overwhelming. But again, coming back to your point, Krista, this is work. Social media is part of your work. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Like, you know, when you open up a business, like a brick and mortar business with a postcode, you're relying on walk by traffic or word of mouth. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter are your walk by traffic. So how can you engage with them? So many people jump on the, in the, in the social media space and they just expect to like get clients or get customers of some kind. But people aren't going to buy from you if you don't look like an authority figure, if you don't look like a business. If you've got a photo um, as your profile picture of you with sunglasses on or you from behind, 
there's not trust. Even in, in that moment, there's no trust that's going to be built because they can't see your eyes. They can't see your face. If it's not a professional photo, you're not looking like a business, you know? So it's really important to set up that business front online as you would if you were setting up a shop as a, a postcode business. So that then the walk by traffic, you're going to get, grab their attention. I love that. I love that real implementation. Let people see your eyes. I know for, I never see, it's ironic because I never see a photo of you um, with sunglasses on. It's always with your beautiful eyes and your beautiful smile, inviting people in to start a conversation with you. So I love changing that from content to like a conversation. Yeah. And my final question, we'll wrap this up. And this is a question that I ask everyone on this podcast. And it's, do you remember the person who you were before the world told you who you should be? Mm. Yep. Who is that person? The person that I am now. Because I've done, I've undone. Oh, you make me emotional with that question. But I've undone everything that I was told that I should be. And I don't fit into moulds anymore. Um, I'm a single mum, but I'm also a serial entrepreneur and that doesn't fit into a mold in most cases. And when I was a young child, I knew that I could be, do and have anything that I just set my mind to with absolute certainty and absolute clarity. I could create it. There were no boundaries. There were no limitations. And that's who I am now through a process but that's who I am because I've undone it and I've done the work and I've uncovered all of the stuff that I condemned as bad. And now I own it. I just got goosebumps. I don't know if you guys got goosebumps, but I'm sitting here like, Oh, that was just, that was the perfect way to end. Thank you, Krista, for coming on and speaking with me. Um, I just want to know where can people find you? I know I'll add them into the show notes, but yeah, where can people find you, what you stand for, what your message is and any of the courses that you, you have because they are rippers. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you, sister. So um, you can head to kristatier.com. Um, on Facebook, you'll find me under Krista Tia. On Instagram, Krista underscore Tia. And Krista Tia on all other social media platforms. So pretty straightforward and easy. Um, and I'm always getting back to anyone that, you know, reaches out to me personally because I think that it's important to scale the unscalable. And um, being personally in contact with everyone that reaches out to you is what most people perceive as unscalable, but it what set you apart. On, and on that note, we'll wrap this podcast up. Thank you, Krista, here. Thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and I can't wait to hear you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Not Just Your Average Millennial Podcast. If you loved this episode, don't forget to tag me in your Instagram stories or maybe you're even up for leaving a five-star review of the show. No matter what, follow this podcast on Spotify and subscribe to it on iTunes. It would really mean the world to me. And like always, go out there and start living an action-orientated, not-so-average lifestyle. Big love.